Welcome back to Hot Takes Only, everyone. This is episode 12, I believe. I think so. I think so. Of Hot Takes Only. My name is Owen Hill. I am joined, as always, by Willie Kniezner. We have a ton to get to this week, Mm -hmm. but we're going to try to keep it as short as possible. We've realized that uh, these two-hour episodes aren't really as effective as the shorter ones, so we're going to get through all this hopefully in an hour or so. If it goes a little over an hour, then so be it. Mm -hmm. Um, No special guests this week, but but working on getting uh, a good friend of ours on the show uh, in the next couple weeks. Um, Timing just didn't work out this week to get him on the show, but we'll have him soon enough, and when we know exactly when he's going to be here, we will let you know, and we will drop that episode on probably a Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific as usual, which is when this episode is hopefully going to drop, barring any technical difficulties. Um, we're going to start today with baseball, Willie, and I know this week is the end of the regular season, this weekend specifically. It's Thursday night as we're recording this, and uh, we only have three games left in the regular season for everyone across the board. Uh, that is not, of course, counting potential uh one-game playoffs in addition to the wild card game. There's just so much that can happen in the wild, wild AL, sorry, NLS this year. The AL is set. We already know who's going to be in the AL playoffs this year. We've got Boston and the Yankees in the East, Cleveland in the Central, and Houston and Oakland in the West. Uh, we don't know specifically who's going to host the wild card game. We could know as soon as tomorrow or it could come down to Sunday, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the A's and the Yankees in the wild card game and those three division leaders uh in the division series so without further ado let's hop over to the nl willie um (laughs) i i honestly don't know what to say about the the national league this year because it is bonkers uh just about a week ago uh atlanta clinched a playoff spot uh the the atlanta braves who i said were at the beginning of the season would be lucky to win about 55 games 50 games uh have won the national league east and that, to me, is the most bizarre thing that could have possibly happened in baseball this year. Uh, as a somewhat pessimistic Braves fan, I didn't think they had what it took to have a winning record, much less make the playoffs. But here we stand, September 27, 2018, the Atlanta Braves, uh, about five days ago, clinched the um, the National League East division title for the, I don't know how many, how many times they've won that division, but... They did it, and it didn't seem likely, but it happened. And I'm still just floored by seeing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just an incredible story. You know, obviously, go back, you know, growing up, it felt like the Braves were so dominant every year. And then all of a sudden, there was, I think, a five-year period here where, you know, they weren't very good. But I think uh, I saw an interview with with Nick Markakis, and he was saying, you know, I got here, and— you know, it was tough, but, you know, the process was so worth it. And here they are back in the postseason. And, you know, when you look at the, some of the young guys on the roster, this could be a, a team for years to come. But what what a great accomplishment in that division. That was something. Yeah, and, and honestly, my thing with the Braves is I think it, it might be that they're doing this a little too quickly. Uh, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I'm not complaining with seeing my, my too quickly and, and Too quickly how so? In, in the sense that their expectations are going to be too high for a – a project that is still very much a project. This is still not a, a completed uh, product in the field. Um, Acuna Jr. is still very young. Mm-hmm. Albies is still very young. Um, and some of the production this year that we've seen from Mark Kakis has been some of the best of his career. Freddie Freeman has had a career year. 
Uh, but this is not something you can expect year in, year out. It's not sustainable, if you will, um, especially given that the production's coming from a lot of the older guys as well. So I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves miss the playoffs next year, but mm-hmm. I, I almost wish it was this year just because it's it's getting a taste of competing in September and late August without actually the weighted expectation of uh, winning the title that you get the next season. Um, that said, I am happy to see them in the playoffs again. Uh, even, you know, regardless of what happens to the Braves, it'll be nice to see SunTrust Park host at least one playoff game this year. And it's something that I think Atlanta fans have waited for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, Absolutely. It's, it, it, the Braves haven't really had their chance, uh, to be in that, in the conversation with the rest of Atlanta sports teams uh, in the last few years. Obviously, it's been dominated a lot by the Hawks and the Falcons. Uh, We don't need to talk about either one of those two right now. But uh, just to see them back at the kind of echelon of of their sport, uh, at least in the division sense, is nice uh, from an Atlantic perspective. And I I just want to talk about the Nats real quick. Um, Mm -hmm. The the conclusion at the beginning of the year, before a single game was even paid, before the first pitch was even thrown, uh, we all thought, or a lot of uh, baseball minds thought, this was going to be the Nats division to lose, uh, and and they they went and did just that. They lost this division um, with the team they had, <laughs> Bryce Harper in his walk year, um, maybe his last game in ever in DC last night. Um, this was the opportunity for the Nats to to make a real run in October, and they completely fell flat. Uh, I think I think they're going to look at themselves very carefully in the mirror in the offseason and think, what do we need to do to prevent ourselves from becoming anonymous, uh, quite frankly, after the season? Um, and, you know, it's a slap in the face, definitely, to not only miss the playoffs, but to miss it to one of your bigger rivals, uh, arguably the biggest team in this division, in, in at least in the last uh, few decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, though, that Philadelphia... And the Mets are not as bad as I think a lot of a lot of outlets give them credit for. Um, I think they yep. uh, they're better teams than people realize. And Degrom obviously having yep. one of the greatest statistics I've seen in yep. my lifetime. I mean, he has Cy Young, Cy more, Young. It, it, it'll be a travesty if he doesn't win Cy Young next year. I don't I don't mm. see any scenario where he doesn't. But uh, you know, I, I think it's still positive to to see that for the Mets. Um, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what they do in the off season. Uh, but going back to Philadelphia as well, they mm-hmm. have a lot of really good pieces there. Maybe just uh, I talked to one of my friends that the bullpen really seemed to be the big issue this year. So yeah, maybe addressing that in the off season and uh, and figuring out where to go from there. I mean, geez, who would have thought? You know, that at the beginning of the year, right? Like all the talk was about the Nationals. You know, everyone penciled them in, and um, you know, I, I think. I do think, though, listen, there, there's all this talk with the Nationals about what went wrong in, in the locker room and the, 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 the different managers they've had. You know, Maybe they should have kept Dusty Baker, but they did get hit with the injury bug at the beginning of the season, and I think that had a bigger impact than a lot of people realize. Um, so, you know, actually speaking of that, Owen, um, what, to set the stage, um, the Braves have a top – half offense in the league but with this injury to Dansby Swanson how could that affect the the Braves lineup and the def- the defense as well I'm looking more at the defensive side of the ball with Dansby Swanson yeah um, obviously his incredible fielder incredible his defensive 
prowess is not something that a lot of uh, a lot of execs and a lot of other people in baseball overlook. It's more the it's more what he does with the bat and and learning to hit at the major league level. That was always the big thing with him when he came up uh, in the D back system. Was uh, can he can he hit at the major league level? Uh, he didn't show that early on. He has gotten better as as he's progressed throughout his career, but it hasn't been the kind of number one overall pick on both sides of the ball that mm-hmm. uh, neither the Braves nor the Diamondbacks expected when they drafted him out of out of Vandy. Um, and I, I think if you're if you're looking at that draft class, mm-hmm. you have to be kicking yourself if you are the Arizona Diamondbacks and subsequently the Atlanta Braves because the player taken number two overall in that draft is a player for the Houston Astros by the name of Alex Bregman, who mm. is who's incredible. Is one of the top players in baseball right now, and he is pretty much the same age as Dansby Swanson. Pretty much. Everything is is the exact same about him, uh, mm-hmm. but it's just the fact that he was taking one pick behind sure. Swanson. Um, and that's no knock on Dansby. I, I mean, I I love him. I I love the player. He's I've got a Dansby Swanson jersey in my closet, and you know I will defend Dansby Swanson. But offensively, he's not adding as much as maybe yeah, a lot of people but, would expect. But but my question with Dansby Swanson is there is so much hype about him and. But Owen, he's he's one of the best fielders in in the MLB, and yes, he was supposed to be a much better hitter. But he's 24 years old, you know. So I, I think, like, I'm looking at a guy like um, Drelton Simmons, for example, who, to put it this way, you know, Drelton Simmons when he went to the Angels, you know, all of a sudden he started really hitting. So no, I think I'm, I'm not saying it's not possible. I think in a couple right. of years we could be looking at an elite two way player, you know. In right, him. but but we're not talking about a few years. We're talking about right now. And talking right about right now, now. Right now, the Braves aren't going to. They they will miss him in the lineup for sure, just because of you know he he is Atlanta through and through. I mean, he was born and raised in Atlanta. Uh, he was a Braves fan growing up. He wanted to play for the Braves, and now he has his opportunity to represent his hometown. Uh, he's I, I don't want to say he's the heart and soul of this team, but he is going to be the, the kind of centerpiece of this team, and to not have him for you know, their first major playoff run with these baby Braves. Uh, it, it might hurt a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, they've still got a great foundation. Alex mm-hmm. Anthopoulos is a GM who's not afraid to go out and make a couple moves in the offseason. He's here to win. Uh, and I think the moves that the Braves made it, at the trade deadline were ones to bolster the team without giving up too much of the future. They did exactly yeah. that, bringing Kevin Gossman and Johnny Venters and Brad Brock from the Orioles. Uh, I think there's a lot of promise with the Braves, but... If you're talking about right now in this division series, uh, I think that they they will not miss him. I think as much as maybe a few years from now, if he would okay. be absent from the lineup as well. But so, you know that that that'll be an interesting storyline as as we sure. get into the division series. Well, why don't you go and go ahead on and, and just in general, why don't you you kind of break down the team, being as a big a follower of the team as you are, and kind of break down their strengths and weaknesses and what are your initial expectations for, for their postseason run? Um, I, I expect them to lose in the first round, um, and that's okay. not being negative. That's not being too hard on the Braves. It's just a kind of reality that this team isn't really meant to compete in the late stages of October at this hmm. point in a few years, potentially. But right now, that's just not the case. Um, up and down, there, there's no real area that – 
jumps out at me like it, it is unstoppable. The lineup is very, very solid this year. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I would not trade the Braves lineup for, for many others. Um, you you look at the the young guy, the two young stars in that lineup, Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr., those guys tear the cover off the ball night they in and out. Absolutely. They provide very good defense. And they are basically the future of these Braves, the kind of the, the Raphael for call, Andrew Jones, Chipper Jones core, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. with Dansby Swanson kind of being that Chipper Jones figure, if you want, mm-hmm. if you want to make that comparison. Um, sure. Nick Markakis has had a career year, but like I said a little earlier on, that's not something you can kind of rely on year in and year out. This is kind of a once in a lifetime, once in a career season for Markakis, unless he can do it again next season. But, you know, only time will tell in that regard. Uh, and, you know, there's there's just some production from all over. Freddie Freeman's had a career year. I don't think we can rely on him to be as good. He will be certainly a very solid player, but not nearly at the 2018 level that we're seeing this year. Uh, Kurt Suzuki has been a surprising uh, guy mm-hmm. behind the plate to provide some clutch hitting every now and again. Uh, Ender and Ciarte has been playing absolute gold glove defense in center field yes. while providing a, a nice spark at the top of the lineup. Uh, and Charlie Culberson, I think, has been uh, a pretty underrated acquisition from the from the Dodgers over the offseason in that big Matt Kemp trade. He has provided a, mm-hmm. not just utility but experience. I mean, he's a guy who's mm-hmm. who's been on really good teams. He was obviously with the Dodgers last year. He could play all over the diamond. He basically looks exactly like Dancy Swanson, which is something the Braves social media team uses a lot <laughs> uh, to kind of promote their stuff. Um, and, and, you know, the Braves are the, – the lineup is, is in a good spot for a future. I think it'll be interesting to see if they add to it in the offseason. I would personally like them to get one more impact bat uh, in, okay. in the market or a free agency, but we'll see. It's we're Let's get through October first before we start talking about free agency. Um, okay. And then the pitching it is – Always, 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 always my biggest concern with the Braves because no matter how good those teams were from, what was it, 1999, 2000 to 2005, or no, sorry, the early 90s to 2005, no matter how good those teams were, they always found a way to lose in October except for 1995, which is coincidentally, if you're not aware, the only championship the city of Atlanta has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And the only one it is likely to see for a while, unless there's something that changes with the Atlanta Falcons, cough, cough, C. Sarkeesian. Uh, we're not going to go there today. Um, but w- with the Braves, it's always the pitching. And this year, the pitching okay. is good enough to get them to the first round, which is what they've done, mm-hmm. but not good enough to get past the first round. Um, I want to highlight two guys in particular uh, who who really stand out. Okay. And those are Mike Fultonevich and Sean yep. Newcomb. Absolutely. These two pitchers have the most electric stuff on the staff and potentially all of baseball. Mm -hmm. But two dominant pitchers. Dominant Mm -hmm. stuff. I won't say they're Mm -hmm. dominant pitchers. They have the stuff of number one pitchers and the Mm -hmm. command of a sporadic pitcher. And what I mean by that is sometimes with with Fultonevich, he looks like he's just trying to throw as hard as possible. And doesn't quite work out that way when you throw 95 right down the middle of the plate and it ends up going 450 feet to dead center. That's that's an issue. And that is an issue that gets destroyed in October. You, you go hmm. up against any good hitting team okay. in October and you make a mistake like that, doesn't matter. You could throw 103 and it could still get squared up. Uh, the off-speed stuff is not as kind of commanded as you would hope from someone with his stuff. 
I mean, he's got one of the best sliders I've seen from from that side of the that side of the uh, the diamond, that side of the rubber. Uh, but the command sometimes is just not there, and hmm. that is my biggest concern. Um, as far as Nukem, Nukem just it, it same story. Command goes missing. The stuff is there. Sometimes I feel like he needs to just stop throwing and start pitching. And start, worry, okay. worry less about what the radar gun says and worry more about how sure. you execute every single pitch in your arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But that said, it's very promising. Does he have good off-speed stuff in your opinion? His off-speed stuff is is serviceable, but I think it, it can be better. Uh, he needs to, I think, learn to command it a little better. But, you know, obviously it's easy for me to say when I'm not an actual pitcher. Um, that's the off-speed stuff is what ended my career before it even started, really. <laughs> um, and, you know, just understanding that that sometimes you can't just throw 75 fastballs out of 100 pitches. Sometimes you have to throw your off-speed stuff. It doesn't matter how sure. good the command is. You have to be able to spike a curveball every now and again, throw a waste change okay. up in the dirt, uh, or, or just waste a, uh, you know, waste a slider. Uh, it's... It's just one of those things that I I don't have a lot of confidence okay. with the Braves pitching staff, particularly okay. because of these two guys. What about what about Teheran and Anibal Sanchez? Uh, Sanchez, I think, could be the X factor for them, but at the same time, it's one of those things that I don't want to put too much stock in it because he's at the back end of his career. He's mm-hmm. been through a lot. He has a lot of experience, but the stuff isn't there anymore. He has to rely more on really good command. Um Mm-hmm. And I don't think he he has what he the command that he used to, mm-hmm. and you know I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see the Braves do well, but at the same time, it's it's unrealistic to expect them to get past the first round. I think the pitching staff Sanchez okay. and Tehran is he's confusing. He, there are some teams sure. that, that he is able to shut down, and some teams that own him. The Nats have have. I mean, I think his career ERA against the Nats is somewhere in the six or sevens. It's it's up there. Uh, it, mm. it, it, it's not ugly, or it's not sure. good, good to watch every time That's, he takes the ball yeah. Nats. You know, so, well, the good thing is they don't have to be facing them. <laughs> but, listen, if I'm if I'm the Braves, man, and I'm looking at across the, uh, the country at the teams that I will be playing, and given the fact that it looks like it's either going to be the Dodgers or the Rockies, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Rockies, and I say, okay, well, they have – a decent starting staff in comparison to some of the pitching problems that they have um, in terms of Freeland, Marquez, Anderson, Gray. But, you know, that's not a great pitching staff, albeit their numbers are kind of inflated at Coors Field. Um, and they have an okay bullpen, but that doesn't scare you. And the Dodgers, they have a scary starting rotation, but their bullpen is in shambles. So if I look at it from that perspective, and you, you laid out the issues, potential playoff issues with Newcomb and Fultonevich, but if you can get... Annabelle Sanchez and Teheran, as well as those two guys to keep you in the game, I mean, give you decent starts. I mean, maybe you've got a chance, like a real chance against those teams. That, that's true, and I, I would I would tend to agree most days. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some a guy we haven't even talked about, uh, or two guys we haven't talked about, are Kevin Gossman and Tuki Toussaint. Yeah. Uh, Toussaint, the yeah. rookie, has uh, shown a lot of promise so far. Uh, and uh, both Kevin those guys who came over yep. from the Orioles, Gossman, um, huge acquisition. Huge yeah, acquisition. I think it's one of those things that unfortunately you just can't put too much stock into it because you don't know what it's like. You don't know how they're going to react to October. 
Um, you know, again, a lot of these guys haven't been to October before, and the guys who have have had different experiences. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's nice to see the Braves in the playoffs. Let's. I mean, I want to yeah. get that. I want to get that out of the way first before we before we move on to the other divisions of baseball. Um, yeah, it's just nice to see them in the playoffs. Um, and mm-hmm. wh- how they perform is going to be based on the pitching staff, I believe. I think the offense is going to be the que- it could be the question mark if the pitching staff. Uh, isn't isn't as good then then they could be looking at a uh, at a sweep potentially because wow you don't you don't know how Jeez. Albies and Acuna are going to react to the pressure of October um, you know it, imagine playing in a fishbowl uh, 162 games a year in, mm-hmm. like in a city like Boston or New York and playing in it zero games a year in Atlanta and all of a sudden that gets wiped away. Everyone's playing in the same environment in October. It's the playoffs. It's everything's on the line. This is what you spend the whole season working towards. Uh, mm-hmm. Some guys perform well in it. Alex Bregman is one of those guys, and some guys kind of fold under pressure. So it'll be have to. We'll have to see how it how it goes from there. But it's it's not as uh, I'm not as optimistic uh, as a lot of people might hmm. be. I mean, it's great. Listen, it's great to have them in the playoffs. Um, who knows? Who knows? I think th- I think the National League is wide open. It, it um, is wide open, but I, yeah. I think ultimately there there are a couple favorites, and I want to get to those favorites before sure. we move on. Uh, and they're both, in my opinion, out of the Central Division. Okay. Yeah. And it's not yeah. just because they have the best records right now, but because of the the quality of baseball they played this season, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm talking specifically about the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Cubs have a, a one game lead over the Brewers uh, in the Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brewers right now are going to host the wild card game. It's looking like it'll be. Uh, it's looking like it'll be St. Louis, but it could be. <coughs> excuse me, could be the Dodgers as well or the Rockies. Well, let's lay out. Let's lay out the scenarios here. We have um, the Rockies leading division by I don't have the standings for me, but I believe a half a game, and I still it's a think full game. a full game. And I think the Dodgers are still in the second wild card currently, right? Yeah, they're they're a game over St. Louis right now. Yeah, because the Cardinals lost. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean it's going to be really interesting, uh, given the fact that, particularly too, you know, you love baseball and you look at the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Dodgers and the Giants, and you got to be saying the Giants and the Cubs would like nothing more than to spoil those uh, their rivals' uh, playoff hopes, would they? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, Listen, when it comes to the Brewers, I just don't think they have the pitching going. I love their lineup. I mean, I think they have depth. They have great hitting. Christian Yelich is, you know, incredible. Lorenzo Cain, Travis Shaw. But um, I just don't think that they have the pitching that's required to really make a deep run. Yes, the bullpen, but the starting pitching is a different story. Yeah, no, I I would agree, but I still I still like their chances. Um, they're they're hot right now, which is good. They are, uh, and which which what matters most, you know? We yeah, can look- and and you know you you've seen in the past teams that kind of limp into the playoffs, even with a hundred plus win seasons, and get swept. And you have teams that have basically eighty nine, ninety game, ninety win seasons who win the World Series. So right. it's one of those things that it doesn't really matter the kind of external factors or the talent you have, if your players are playing well and you're playing with confidence, then anything is possible in October. Yeah. And that's what makes it so great. Absolutely. Uh, and the, the 
the Brewers right now have won four in a row in the mm-hmm. in the National League. They would be the hottest team uh, in terms of win streak if not for the Colorado Rockies, who have won seven games in a row to vault into first place. They are getting hot exactly when you need to, which they reminds are. me of 2007 when and, they played the Red Sox in the World Series. And it's fun because I've gotten to watch some, some Rockies games on the uh, extra innings package in my free time. And... Um, this team kind of reminds me a little bit of what we talked about in the Oakland days in the sense that it's just a different guy every day, you know? could be Arenado. It could be Charlie Blackman. It could be David Dahl. It could be LeMahieu. It could be Ian Desmond. Um, they just, they're just just playing with a real togetherness. Um, and they got Trevor Story back. He's back in the lineup. That's huge. How David, about that homer he hit last night? Yeah. Oh, my yep. God. He hit one like 465 was, feet completely out of the bleachers in left center. It was crazy. Yeah. It was um, – yeah. It was, he, he, he hit that ball into Stanton Judge territory. Mm-hmm. No, it was – yeah, yeah, he, he, he jacked that thing. He jacked that thing, man. But um, I, I like their team own, and um, I think a key that we, we have to mention is who knows what um, – is going to happen, but another big thing with the Rockies is yes, we can talk about their improved pitching. Yes, we can talk about their they have a good lineup. But um, you know, I was reading about how the Rockies this year the key is that they've been able to play on the road, and that that's going to be huge going into the postseason. Knowing that you know they they can go out and they can go to a Chicago or in Atlanta, and they can, they can win games, which, they, which they've proven they can done, even though they are still very good at Coors Field. I mean, I was very impressed, for example, um, th- when they swept Arizona um, a few days ago. It just solidified it, but they have a very good road record this year, which they do not usually do in the past. Yeah, I, I want to share with you, with, the, with our listeners, a couple uh, of very interesting statistics for us uh, mm-hmm. before we move on to... Uh, briefly talking about the National League, uh, or the NL, <laughs> the rest of the NL West, I guess, and the National League as well, or the sorry, the American League. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the MLB website, uh, the expected mm-hmm. win loss for the Colorado Rockies this season, or at least right now, is eighty three and seventy six. That is their expected win loss. That is basically how, like the name suggests, what their expected record is this mm. season. They have won eighty nine games. As of today, with three to play. Now, are you based? Is that was that coming into the season, or is that based on their it's run based, differential? Uh, it's just based on the, the standings right now. It's just oh, there right oh. now, given their their expected win loss. The Dodgers' expected win loss is ninety seven okay. and sixty two. The Dodgers wow. right now have won eighty eight games. Mm. So you have a team in Colorado that is overperforming based on their expected mm. win loss, and a team in LA that is underperforming. Well, Oh, and I mean, this is actually a good point you bring this up because you know what the biggest issue with the Dodgers is? If I'm not mistaken, they have the best um, run differential in the MLB. They do. Um, Plus 170. Oh, they, this team, and they uh, make... Well, sorry, in the American, in the National League. In the, in the National there League. Are three okay. teams in... Sorry, in the four teams okay, in the that makes American sense. League. That but in the National League. No, three teams. The big problem with this team, Owen, and they make, you know, whenever we get the chance to watch the games, they, they talk about it on the broadcast, but... They cannot hit in runners in scoring position. Their clutch hitting is terrible. I think that with runners in scoring position and two outs, I read that they were under 200 for the season or something like that. So yeah. you, they've thrown the kitchen sink at this team. They they got David Fries now, just another hitter. 
Uh, they've got so many guys you can just plug into the lineup, but at the right times, they just can't hit. And I think that's Freeze. the story. Freeze has one or two big hits in October to his credit. I can't remember who it was well, for. Well, they got to get there. They I can't get remember there. who it was for, though. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, I believe it was the St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those, those were some of the most incredible moments in baseball, and I'm just happy uh, as a baseball fan at the time I was able to witness them because, oh, my God. <laughs> that was one of the craziest Octobers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah. Texas was basically robbed of a World Series because of yeah, a bad, that was, a bad uh... strike call, and then all of a sudden David Freeze turns on a 2-2 fastball from – I believe it was Neftali Feliz, and and before you know it, uh, Freeze has tied it, and we'll, we will see you tomorrow night. Yeah. Legendary. Um, no, but the Dodgers do have a plus 170 run differential at this point in the season, uh, which would be top in baseball if not for the Boston, the Red, Boston Sox, Red Sox, the New York Yankees, and the Houston Astros, <laughs> who, by the way, have a run differential this season right now of mm-hmm. plus 262. They are literally wow. – abusing their opponents it, it is nuts what they're doing and their expected win loss is actually 107 and 51 which is what the rec- the red sox record basically is right now the red sox actually have one more loss than that but it, it's crazy these expected win loss numbers are i don't know i think i i feel like they're they kind of pass the eye test a little bit because i, I want to briefly talk about the al before we get on to our, mm-hmm. our, our soccer segment um Houston this year mm-hmm. only got better from the champ, the world champion team last year. Uh, they added Garrett Cole and they mm-hmm. added Roberto Osuna about halfway through the season, uh, just yep. after the just at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are the two biggest weaknesses: a not that deep rotation uh, at a rotation last year that was based on yep. guys having career moments, if you will, uh, Brad Peacock mm-hmm. and Charlie Morton. Uh, mm-hmm. They added a bona fide ace in Garrett Cole, and all of a sudden they have a run differential that's just balls to the wall insane mm-hmm. Boston right. however added a piece to make them better but did not put them over the top they added a impact bat in the lineup JD Martinez who if not for Mookie Betts would probably win the triple crown or sorry Mookie Betts sure. and Chris Davis Chris Davis hit his 47th home run last night uh-huh. absurd mm-hmm. uh, if not for those two JD Martinez would win the triple crown the team has 107 wins, and yet they, of the three division winners in the American League, look the most likely to get swept. I've repeated this take wow. multiple times in the show, and I will not back down from this take. The Red Sox bullpen is an absolute liability this year. It is so unbelievably bad for a team that is, to this day, they could win 110 games this year, and it would not be enough. They yeah. would still get swept in the first round. Or, sorry, they'd lose in five games in the first round. But... The point is the Red Sox are not good enough to win the World Series this year. I would love to be wrong. I would love to see them win the World Series as a, te- as a kid who grew up watching the teams of Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz and, and the, the band of idiots in 03 and 04, if you will. But this team is not good enough to win the World Series. I would not mm. be surprised. Wow, if- not good enough. Wow, no, that's, They're that's... not good enough. If they play the Oakland A's, I have a feeling they could get swept because that bullpen is going to give up hit after hit after hit to the likes of Chapman okay. and Lowry and Davis and Olsen and Simeon, and Lucroy, and the guys for the A's with who play with no fear. Hmm. This team is not good enough to win the World Series. I don't care what their expected win losses. I don't care how many games they've won right now. They're not good enough. Interesting. The bullpen is weighing them down. David Price and Chris Sale have not shown they can really carry the load in October. You don't know what you're going to get out of Rick Porcello. And this team, on the whole, on the, on the defensive side of the ball, hmm. that's pitching and defense, is not good enough interesting um 
I want to ask you, Owen, how big... Okay. In your opinion... So, for example, right? This this goes back to the Red Sox, but... Okay. I'm looking at, the, looking at the team like the Chicago Cubs, who I think are actually going a little bit on the radar, and I look at a team that has... A team that's been there before, and they have veterans. They have John Lester, and now they have Cole Hamels, who, by the way, has pitched really well since he's been there. Um, do, do you think the fact that you know that this Red Sox team, you know, hasn't experienced great success together in the postseason, and the fact that perhaps you know they don't have Big Poppy anymore, Pedroia is not a main fixture, um, Price has, you know, none of their starting pitchers have really gone deep. Do, do you think that that is an issue? That maybe their lack of experience or success, rather, could hold them back? No, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. Okay. The Red Sox are not good enough to win the World Series right now because their bullpen and their pitching staff is an anchor that is weighing them down. This team should be winning 115 games this season. I am hmm. not even kidding. The number of games they have blown just by leaving in mediocre pitchers in that bullpen is astonishing. Drew Pomeranz is a shell of his former self from last season. Last season, he was one of the best pitchers on the staff, and that's saying something because the staff was terrible outside of Chris Sale last year. Rick Porcello was god-awful. The right. year after, he was strangely given a Cy Young Award for a, a average 2016 season. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez doesn't know that you can throw pitches other than their fastball. <laughs> David Price is an enigma. I don't know what to expect out of him. He was amazing in the postseason. But and he's been good this year since he's kind yep. of altered his mechanics a little bit. He really has got, turned it around. He really he's turned, turned it around. He's turned it around a little bit, except against the Yankees, which is the real yeah. team I'm concerned about because of their lineup. Uh, let me. Where else was I? Uh, Joe Kelly. Uh, as much as I love Joe Kelly for the Tyler Austin brawl yeah. at the beginning of the season, he hasn't <laughs> been very good this year. He's been giving yep. up a lot of runs. Matt Barnes gave up. I think. I think he pitched a third of it. Recorded one out yesterday and gave up three or four runs to the last place Orioles who have won mm-hmm. who have won 46 games and mm-hmm. lost 112 um, so so who are we who if you're Alex Cora who are you lining up lining out as, as the starting pitching staff are you going sale price and Evaldi? Can, can you call Chris sale and have five Chris sales because I, that's what I do otherwise it doesn't matter who you have behind Chris sale because they're going to give up too many runs you can't rely on the offense to score over and over. You can't rely on the offense to score nine and ten runs right. a game every single night and expect to win by doing okay. that. You just can't do well, it. Well, I'll tell you what, possible. though, man. If I'm – all right, so – but they – you know, yeah. I mean, but you – I think price is an X factor, man. I mean, uh, price can really be well, – if the team doesn't want to get swept, he's going to have to pitch well. That's simple. So simple who as are that. you as a fan – who are you? Are you rooting for? Do you want to face the Yankees or Oakland? I'm, I'm rooting real hard for the Yankees. If I'm, I don't, I don't know. They have a good record against the Yankees this year, but the A's are scary right now. I, I would not want to get into. A I'm rooting for the. Few, I, I'm rooting for the Yankees. If I'm a Red Sox fan, I think they have more questions in the pitching, and I think that, like you said, the Red Sox have had success. So that's true, but at the same time, October is another animal altogether, and you never really know how players are going to react, especially in that uh, Bob the. Boston bullpen, and it's just—it's one of those things. Train to Kimbrel, as you you call it. The, the there is no train to Kimbrel. It's just okay. Can we can we get to Kimbrel without giving up this lead of however however many runs? <laughs> I mean, I know that's obviously the game, but the lead gets progressively smaller with each sure. pitcher that comes in the game. 
Uh, right now, there have been, I think, three pitchers who have not infuriated me with this team by giving up huge hits in clutch moments. Uh, I think Bobby Pointer, who's been with the team in the second half of the season for mm-hmm. all of three weeks, I want to say, pretty much since mm-hmm. September call-ups. Uh, Brandon Workman, who hasn't really been back all that long. I think he had Tommy John surgery and had a couple other injuries to start the season. Uh, we talked about Craig Kimbrell. He's going to be the same as usual, although sometimes he uh, he blows it at the end of the game, which is frustrating to watch. Um, and I believe there's one other. No, I think that was it. I think it was just Pointer and Workman at this mm-hmm. point in the season. Hembry uh, can't can't throw mm-hmm. his slider anymore. I don't know what happened to him, but he can't throw <laughs> that slider. Um, who else? Joe Kelly can't yep. throw strikes, and let alone different pitches. He can't throw a fastball for a strike. Uh, Matt Barnes is low-key a Yankees fan in a Red Sox uniform and just happens to give up big hits to the Yankees. I don't know why. It just does. Oh, it happened to the Orioles, too, last night. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I'm being a little too hard on the team, but it, it just the way this team is assembled makes me so unhappy because we, we've we re- well, the realization over the last two seasons is that the teams that are beating the Red Sox in the postseason are teams mm-hmm. that have infinitely better pitching staffs. You think of the Astros last year who had a Cy- two Cy Young Award winners in that rotation plus a very solid bullpen. Mm-hmm. The Indians, their pitching staff on basically one leg was better yes. than the Red Sox pitching staff in 2016 That's put right. together. The Red mm-hmm. Sox in 2016 put Doug Fist. no, sorry, that was last year, put Doug Fister on the mound. Mm-hmm. Doug Fister, I don't think yeah. he's in baseball right Doug now, Fister. in Major League Baseball. That's mm-hmm. how desperate they were last year because the pitching staff was so bad. And I think, for me, this goes back to Dave Dombrowski. Yes, he did a good job getting Chris Sale and convincing David Price to join us, giving him a lot of money. He's done a lot of good things for the organization, but he hasn't been able to put together that team with a shut-down pitching staff. It, it, if you give that pitching staff a two-run lead or a one-run lead, you're not going to win the game. I don't Mm -hmm. care how good of a hitter you are. You're just not going to win. He hasn't done that. And with the resources of the Red Sox and the ambitions of the Red Sox and the rivals in New York, it's, it's disappointing to say the least. And I will cap my, my Red Sox rant right there. First round exit incoming. But I mean, Owen, I just want to throw this out there. Okay. Um, David Price got a huge contract. If David Price is the old David Price, I mean, we could be all of a sudden, then you have maybe the best one-two punch in all of baseball. And here we are with the team, you know, reminiscent of the, the Grinky Kershaw. Yes, you'd still have the bullpen issues, but all of a sudden your whole outlook on the starting pitching would change, you know? Right, but did that, te- did that Grinky Kershaw team win the World Series? No, but no, I think that was more not. because they didn't perform in the postseason rather exact, than... Exactly, that's the thing, though. They didn't perform in the postseason. David Price has not ever performed consistently in the postseason, at least past the seventh inning. Same with Kershaw. That's what yeah. matters. That's why they paid him the big bucks to come to Boston, is to get wins mm-hmm. in the postseason. So far, he hasn't done that. He's been, He was terrific last year out of the bullpen in that kind of long relief role, but ultimately... You don't pay $217 million over seven years for a long reliever. You pay that for an ace. Price mm-hmm. has not been that for the Yankees. Uh, I, I want, I'm rooting for David Price because I really like his stuff. I like his style. I like his, what he's done in his career so far, except for the times he faced the Red Sox. We don't talk about mm-hmm. that in 08. Uh, but 
you know, I, I really do root for the team to do well. I don't get me wrong. I love the Red Sox, and I will, mm-hmm. I will always love the Red Sox. But this version of the team is by far the most frustrating to watch because you see how good they can be when they're good, but when they yeah. are bad, when the bullpen goes bad, when the pitching goes bad, yeah. it is ugly. Because it, JD Martinez could hit four home runs a game, that could still get you just four runs. So it, right. it really doesn't matter how good your lineup is. If the pitching is not there, you have no chance. That's right. I, I agree with that. I agree so, with that. So, well, we'll cap, the question we'll is Red Sox there. We'll move on. Let's get let's, and let's I, get some love to the rest of the American League before we move on and, to soccer. Yeah, and I just I just want to mention before soccer. I, I want to, I do want to mention um, that rightfully so the the you know when you talk about the other teams in the playoffs, like I think the Astros. They look, they're the most complete team. Um, but I do want to mention a couple of things with the Indians that I think are kind of flying under the radar. There we um, go. So people talk about the starting pitching staff, and, and rightfully so, because when you talk about um, Clevenger and Carrasco and Kluber and Bauer, you, you do have a good starting pitching staff. But I think that the insertions into the lineup of Josh Donaldson and Melky Cabrera, believe it or not, are giving the Indians a little bit added, of an added boost because the Indians have honestly a really when you talk about Lindor, Brantley, Ramirez, and Encarnacion when they're all hitting well are as good as I wouldn't say as good, but th- th- that's a really solid one through four. But as you kind of went through the rest of their lineup, particularly with their struggles at the outfield positions, they're really thin. And I think that Donaldson is starting to hit really well. And so is Cabrera, um, and so is Yonder Alonso. So I think that the Indians are giving themselves a, you know, I, I don't think that they, they're going to beat Houston, but I do think that the fact that those three guys are hitting gives them a little bit more depth in their lineup and a little bit more of a chance. Yeah, against and, and, and to that. me that is the most likely matchup, Houston and, and Cleveland, in the, um, in the ALCS this year because— Well, that, that's going to be the first-round matchup. That's going to be the first oh, round. Oh, that's match. right. That's right. That's because going to be the, the, first the, the East is going to play the wild card. The that's right. Sox it's going to be the Red Sox. It's going right. to be the Red Sox. That, yeah. that would be, in theory, the, the ALCS matchup if it could happen. Because yep. to me, those are the two best teams in the AL. Yep. But uh, it, it's just it's just one of those things. Is the AL is so incredibly top-heavy. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, the Yankees would win every other division of baseball. The A's would win every other division of baseball, except for the East. Uh it's it's scary how good the, the those those five teams are. Uh, yeah, it's not it's no discredit to the NL because they play a different style and, and obviously they don't you know you can't compare as easily across mm-hmm. leagues. Um, obviously it's the same game, but with the pitcher hitting in, in the nine or eight spot, sometimes uh, you kind of get that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say extra out, but the you know the pressure's not as great with the pitcher up, and you know that's obviously. A point for a, a more in-depth and specific baseball talk, but the, the AL is just scary this year. Uh, it I, is. I would is. I would really be concerned if I was an NL team mm-hmm. winning the World Series and having to play the Astros sure. or the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Indians or the A's in the World Series for that matter. Yeah, but you know what the funny thing teams. is? But you know what the funny thing is though. And this is what I'll say because we have no idea. But that is true. But I'm looking at the NL. And two teams in particular, the Brewers and the Rockies. I mean, who knows about the Cardinals, but 
I think that those two teams, they just look so together. And in the play, if you just get momentum going into the World Series, like, you know, you can you can really rise up. Yeah. So, yes, on paper, the NL teams don't look – other than the Cubs, in my opinion. Well, I mean, that's that's the feel for most of our show is just the, the paper talk and, and, you know, how yeah. good are these teams on paper. Obviously, you have yeah. to watch the game and see what happens. And, and Saturday is the kind of day you, you marked on your calendar as the, the sports day to watch, if I remember correctly, from last show. Last show. I did. I did. So, keep an eye on Saturday. Yep. Uh, when the yeah. Bulldogs, when the Georgia Bulldogs uh, play Tennessee, well, what, who said that? Well, just yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll I'll say it again. Georgia, Tennessee, Stanford, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, and you got Cubs, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants, um, Yankees, Red Sox. Um, amongst in addition to all the other teams, you have the Ryder Cup. Uh, the Ryder Cup. You have. Um, Chelsea, Liverpool, Juventus, Napoli, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot going on this yeah. weekend. There's a lot going <laughs> on. And speaking of, you mentioned Chelsea, Liverpool. That's actually yeah. a great segue into our soccer segment. Um, so, and so I have a a strong take on this game. Oh, here we go. Okay, I want to hear. And, it. So actually, it's funny I, we got a Chelsea fan. Good hot takes. Yeah, we've got a Chelsea fan and a Liverpool fan on this segment, so yeah. that actually works out. So, so I want to tell you uh, why this game is much bigger for Chelsea than it is for Liverpool. Okay. And I actually want to tell you why we're, this is a huge game for the impact of Chelsea. Okay, let's hear it. And watching Chelsea, I'm not convinced at all. I'm not, Listen, okay, I'll just be a disclaimer. I think that Liverpool or Man City are going to win the title. So I'm not even talking about how they're going to do this season. But simply put, I am not convinced by the way that Mauricio Sarri likes to play, um, if it can really work in the Premier League. And let me tell you why. Because uh, our team is so aggressive. Like, Chelsea um, dominate possession of the ball, and they counter-press so aggressively and high up the field. And um, in that midfield three, uh, not... Um, Kovacic and um, um, Conte, they're so high up the field, and oftentimes they, they suffocate the opposing team trying to get out of position, and the, the wingers push up, and the, the outside backs get forward, so they're all pushing up. So against the, the lesser oppositions, or the, the, the uh, Chelsea is not really going to be threatened much because they're going to have so much of the ball. Teams are going to have such a hard time playing against them. Their counter-press is fantastic. But but when Chelsea lose the ball in a bad position or they just their counter-press is beaten, the fullbacks are forward and their two attacking midfielders are out of position and Jorginho is not a good defensive midfielder. And this is going to be the ultimate test. Can a team like Chelsea, who is open succeed against a team like Liverpool who will absolutely punish you if you give them space. And I look particular in that midfield for, for you know, we were talking about after that PSG game about how James Milner and Jordan Henderson worked so hard to, um, to win balls, plug up the space, to give that front three um, the ability to cr- – and. To, and creativity to move up front. And I'm just not convinced that Chelsea can can keep uh, against the big teams will, are not is not going to concede goals. That, that's my biggest question. I, I have no doubt that in this game, Chelsea's going to have more of the ball. I think that they're going to start off, and I, I anticipate for the first 30, 35 minutes, they're going to kind of 
put the pressure on Liverpool, but that doesn't mean they're going to win the game, and that doesn't mean they can beat the big teams. Yes, it was the League Cup, but who cares if it was the League Cup? I will add two thing, one thing to that league cup. League cup. Uh, the winner scored by Hazard uh, was defended by two players who have not played in a yes. while. Um, one was Keita, who hasn't played in a couple games. I think the Tottenham game was the last game he played. Uh, and then Alberto Moreno, who I was going to save this for the hot take segment, but since we're getting to it right now, I will air it out here. Alberto Moreno is the worst defender in the entire league. Wow. And the fact that he got any game time is astonishing. Uh, I think he needs to be sold right now. If I'm a Liverpool fan, I don't want to see him ever wear a Liverpool shirt again. Uh, as much as I applaud his desire to fight for a spot on the team and dislodge Andrew Robertson, it's not going to happen. Robertson, right. uh, I mean, obviously, barring an injury, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, hope that doesn't happen. Sure. Um, Moreno is just not good enough to wear a Liverpool shirt. Simple as simple as that uh i don't need to get into it we've seen what happens it's happened time and time again against sevilla i think three different occasions uh against man city in multiple i mean the list goes on and on and the reason that klopp keeps giving him another chance is is to keep him happy Mm -hmm. i guess to keep a lot to keep morale up in the team but really he's not fit to play for liverpool and i think the sooner Mm -hmm. Liverpool cut their losses and let him go and find another Spanish team that he can ruin the better. Um, mm. <laughs> but I, I do want to get back to to Chelsea because mm-hmm. you bring up an interesting point regarding their style. And it reminds me, a lot of what you're saying reminds me of a certain team coached by a German manager a couple of years ago uh, when he first arrived in England from the Bundesliga after taking a little bit of time off, not really knowing what the league is all about, playing this very aggressive pressing system Good counter-pressing, playing mm-hmm. counter-attack, dominating possession, especially against smaller teams. Uh, who am I talking about? I'm talking about Liverpool. Liverpool mm-hmm. play almost the exact style you described to me a little earlier, but they've adapted a little bit okay. as well. And they've, but- they've, they've recruited the personnel to be able to play that style, and I'm not sure Chelsea have. But, but you know, I, listen, this is maybe the most hotly talked about um, debate, but it's true. Owen, I I do not think that Jorginho can play the defensive midfielder position in our formation. And it's not like Kovacic plays a ton of defense either. He, he's kind of caught out of position a lot too, and he's not the quickest. And when you watch, the, the midfield three for Liverpool works so good. Like I said, Milner works hard. Like he plugs in the gaps. Um, Wijnaldum, he's he's quick. He he's he's quick laterally. You know, when the fullbacks are out of position, he can move to cover them. He 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 roams the midfield like. Remember when in that in that PSG game when when Milner got stuck in against Neymar and that set the tone. Owen, like I'm just gonna tell this to you right now, and I was thinking about this because it gets me really animated. Okay, I want Jorginho. Okay, in the Liverpool game, not even the Liverpool game. Next game, in one game. I want when the team, when the packing teams are trying to attack the space in the middle of the park, I want Jorginho to just stick someone and just, I don't care if it's a yellow card or a borderline red card, as long as it gets sent off, send the message that he cannot come through easily. Because when you watch Chelsea, it's so easy to get around him. It really is. When he's out of, when he's out of position, he's not quick enough or a good enough defender and he's soft, so you can get around him. But even when we're behind the ball, Owen, I mean, 
he's just not the quickest. He's just not the best defender. So it's it's a really and you know and this is also part of the problem. So when you look at the way Chelsea play, you know we play way too narrow on offense. So um, there's just part of it's because there's no center forward. So um, so you'd say like you, you watch the way Liverpool attack this year, right? And and you notice how how um, particularly Salah's coming into the middle and it's allowing Alexander Arnold to overlap on the right side and, and just provide some width, get some crosses in, open up space to get balls behind. Well, if I'm Chelsea, you know, on one hand, you want to encourage the fullbacks to come forward, the Marcus Alonso's and the Pulicuetas of the world because it gives more space to the middle guys. But on the other hand, like you have those diff- issues in the middle of the park and now the fullbacks are forward. There's just all kinds of space to be had on. And to be honest with you, I don't think that there's – I'm going to make a strong statement here. Um, I think that they're different, but I don't think that against – listen, Arsenal has defensive issues, but Chelsea just have the ball so much. I think that when you're going to play a team that can attack more, they're going to be almost as leaky. I know it's a strong statement, but – you know, I, I think the one thing that's kind of certain in this game is, yeah. Uh, and I'll preface this by saying that if Virgil Van Dyke plays, yes. uh, Liverpool's defense is going to be a lot stronger than Chelsea's. I'm not saying Chelsea's has a weak defense, they, yep. but I think Van Dyke is the difference between mm-hmm. a good defense and an elite defense, and we've seen that already yep. this year. Liverpool in the league have only conceded two goals, yeah, uh, while scoring 11 in the process. Now the shall I put it this way? The cup competitions have been a little bit of a different story, yeah, because of the opposition, the caliber of opposition they play. So now Liverpool's obviously going into this really tough stretch in the Champions League uh, and the league where they're playing Manchester City and Napoli and yep. obviously Chelsea this week. Uh, it, it, there's there's a lot of huge games, and the difference uh, should they be able to get out of that still on top of the league uh, is going to be down to Virgil van Dyke and how the back four and Allison plays. Uh, I think from watching the game, you could definitely mm-hmm. tell a lot of the fringe players weren't used to, they, they weren't, they hadn't had the game time and, and it showed they just weren't as sharp. And, and I've already talked about Moreno, just not good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. Mignolet, I think was fine. I think he kept, them in the game. I I wasn't able to watch the whole game. Mm-hmm. He kept him in the game. Uh, I read with some good reaction saves, which is sure. typical of Mignolet. Uh, it's just when he gets the ball at his feet that you really start getting into trouble. Uh, yeah. Lovren obviously came back well. Matip was decent, I sure. heard. Uh, but it was, it was mainly the fullbacks weren't uh, the quality that Liverpool really, well, really need. And they usually get from Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Well, Owen, I guess, I guess this brings the question... Um, you look at the team on paper, and Liverpool could almost field. Okay, albeit yes, the defense would have a hard pro, would have a hard time, but Liverpool almost has a second, a full second eleven of players, particularly in the midfield and the attack. When you look at the likes of Origi and Solanke, and you know the three extra center midfielders, and yes, you do have a couple um, defenders, but. Are you concerned at all about the depth over the course of the season for the team? In uh, terms of in terms of doing well in, in multiple competitions, there's no doubt there that Liverpool have the 
you know, their first 11 look great. And I have no doubt that with a mostly strong side, you can plug in one or two players. But um, I don't know. They're, they're going to have to start really rotating more. Yeah, but I, I think in the course of a season, especially with um, with players on the offensive side of the ball, they have a luxury. Defensively is where I start to have the question marks because it's if, say, Robertson has to miss any extended amount of time, that automatically becomes a weak link. If Van Dyke has to miss any time, that becomes a weak link. Uh, and yeah. that's my concern. It's not so much giving the attacking players the rest because we know mm-hmm. Shakiri has an immense amount of talent. He has experience mm-hmm. to winning multiple Bundesliga titles with Bayern Munich. Uh, you obviously have Fabinho, mm-hmm. who has been with those very Monaco, very good Monaco sides in the last couple of years. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's got experience winning leagues uh, yep. and going far in cup competitions. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be down to the, the defense and staying healthy and staying as a cohesive unit. That's really hard to do over the course of a season, especially how much the fullbacks press. Uh, Robertson, known for making that gut-busting run at the end of the Manchester City game and, and getting uh, basically standing ovation from 50,000 people at Anfield. Uh, that's my biggest concern for Liverpool. It's not so much offensively okay. because I think in the midfield... They are good enough to do what is asked of them. They're not going to give you the kind of superstar quality that mm-hmm. you would see at, at your Real Madrid's or your Barcelona's or your Juventus's. But they are going to do a job for you. Uh, Milner and Henderson, especially those two that stick out uh, in, in this Klopp system. But again, it just goes back to defensively. Do they Are they able to stay healthy? Are they able to maintain that stability over the course of a season? That is the question mark, and I think Van Dyke the, with this current rib injury is going to be the the, big, the biggest yeah. telling, uh, the biggest factor in that. Um, it'll be telling mm-hmm. to see how he responds. I think he'll be. I hope he'd be okay, but you know it's it's tough when you lose a guy that not only you spent a world record for for a defender, but you also kind of entrust with you know this is your leader at the back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the de facto captain of this team. Henderson is a captain, but. But we can't we can't overlook the impact that Van Dyke sure. has had in in the in this calendar year. It's been incredible. So I want to bring up though the I think that this specific question breeds the result of um, the question of so you know if you look at uh, the Chelsea team you know. Goal scoring wise, they have a huge problem because they, they don't have a center forward, and um, it it breed it breeds the and they but they have great wingers, so it breeds the question of, do you think that the right sided duo of Alexander Arnold and Joe Gomez can stop Eden Hazard? Because I think that's the key matchup to watch. I is think, that whole right side. I think they can. Um, and and for me, it wasn't really much the left side. It was it was it wasn't the right side. It was the left side. It was. It was Moreno and uh, right. Keita who came to cover in defense uh, mm-hmm. of, of right. uh, I believe it was Joel Matip at that time, who's not slow by any means, but he's also very tall and, and you know, dealing with someone who's has very low to the ground, has a really low center of gravity, and as quick as Hazard is, it's it's always tough. But sure. I, the, the goal, I mean, it's, it's team defending. Klopp emphasizes this more than anyone, and it's something that I agree with. It, it's, it's a team effort defending but when one player doesn't do his job in, in keeping hazard yeah. uh and not letting him get goal side uh i think that's a mistake um and that's ultimately one that ended up being costly but no i think it goes back to the team as a whole and being able to 
be where you're supposed to be and do your job individually, mm-hmm. that's going to be telling. Um, and I think sure. in, in this game, it'll be Robertson and Van Dyke more so than, than Moreno and Keita. Uh, I think Keita might play, but it, it'll definitely be uh, Robertson at left back. Okay. Uh, Van Dyke yeah. still unsure, but whoever they put in at center back, I think will be helped right. a lot by a, a very, very solid defender. And it's just, currently the okay. Scotland captain. It's just that when you... And kind of like you mentioned, it'll be. It's just that the reason, I, you know, when you look at the the teams that Chelsea have played this year, um, every single team in the Premier League that Chelsea have played through six games, with the exception of Arsenal, um, have not given have, for lack of a better word, you know, sat back really deep. And Chelsea, the playmakers have had no space. Part of it's again because of the way they play. They play so narrow, and they have a hard. There's no, but there's just no space to penetrate. And now I'm just looking, and if if Liverpool a little bit more aggressive, and there's just a little bit more space in the middle and on the flanks, uh, if they can just catch Liverpool out a bit, um, that's when the attacks at their best. So uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a collective effort from the midfield and the outside backs, but um, the wide areas I think will be the key in this game. Yeah, and and definitely should be the the best game mm-hmm. of of the fixtures we have this week. I want to quickly go over the other ones because I think we have yep. some potential good games in there as well. Um, but Chelsea Liverpool definitely the highlight of yep. a lot of people's week. It'll be it'll be big because um, that's that nine thirty Pacific kickoff is right when uh, Liverpool or sorry right by the time the game's over uh, Georgia will be in pregame and then Georgia plays at twelve thirty. And then I'm pretty sure the Red Sox and probably the Yankees at like four o'clock, maybe one o'clock as well. So another big sports day. Uh, Ryder Cup yeah. is kind of so-so for me. Uh, you know, we, we've talked mm-hmm. about this before on the show. Not really huge on the Ryder Cup for a couple reasons, but mm-hmm. we'll save that for later. Um, let's talk about Wolves Southampton mm. because to me, stylistically, they're very similar teams. Wolves yeah. and Southampton play this kind of you know, your kind of beautiful style of football. They do. And Wolves so far have been impressive. They've they have. They've played very well in the first day of the season mm-hmm. uh, against Everton. Uh, obviously, equalized, taking that 1-1 draw against Man United at Old Trafford uh, was a huge result for them. And I think they're playing with a lot of confidence knowing that this, this style from the manager, Nuno Espiritu Santo, is, is working so yep. far. And there's no reason to deviate from it. So I think that this is a really good game for them. I think they might concede a goal or two to Southampton um, just based on the way they play, but should be a really good game. Yeah, I, I, I've i been very impressed with Wolves, you know? I mean, they, they t- they've taken two points off both the Manchester sides. Um, oh, you know, right, you go they draw at, against City as well. Yep. Um, you go to West Ham, you win the game. Um, you take points off Everton. So... This is a really good team, and like you said, I guess the difference between the two teams is they Southampton doesn't for all the possession they have, they don't create a ton, whereas um, and they don't they don't convert their chances, whereas whereas Wolves do. This is a team, and they play the same way every time, and and they're they're incredible. Um, I I like Wolves in this in this matchup. Yeah, I, I agree. I like Wolves. I think there's going to be a lot of goals in this one, but I do like Wolves. Um, let's look at Arsenal Watford. Uh, mm. Watford obviously got off to that really good start this season. I think they're four of their first. They won their first four games and then uh, lost to Man United in their fifth, I believe it was. Um, 
but have looked impressive so far. They under Javi Grassi, they look like a really solid side. Yeah, um, Watford's a team I like a lot. But Arsenal lot. also have not lost a game since their uh, week two defeat to Chelsea. Yeah. So <laughs> with, with three consecutive wins since then, so really oh. interesting to see how Arsenal plays in this game against Watford. You know, I am very. This is the second most appealing game to me, and Arsenal. Watching that game, I mean, they looked really shaky on defense, and um, Watford has a lot of guys that can punish you. Um, when you the, not only do they have two great forwards and Dini and Gray, but their their fullbacks get forward. Juan Mott's really dangerous. Um, Kapua and Decore are good midfielders. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's this game could go either way. I, I I'd see I could see a draw here. I could as well. I think I'd lean towards an Arsenal win, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a draw or even even a Watford win. Uh, and the other one I wanted to highlight uh, of mm-hmm. the of the kind of marquee matchups this weekend: West Ham hosting Man United. Mm. Now, I usually wouldn't bring this up, but given what happened in midweek with Man United getting knocked out of the League Cup along with Liverpool, so there you go, Man United fans, you get to laugh at Liverpool as well, uh, even though you're way down on the table. Um, the controversy with Paul Pogba being stripped of the captaincy yeah. five games in the se- into the league season. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is huge because yeah. we obviously you and I read that report that some yeah. of the players are starting to get a little upset with Mourinho, and we've seen this before. Mm. Mourinho is losing his touch with his team, and so, it's only a matter of time before something really goes wrong. Are, ba- are they back to crisis mode here, Owen? I-, I wouldn't say crisis mode, but if they lose this game, yes, crisis mode. 100% if they lose this game. To me, Owen, I just... Yeah, I mean, when you when you mentioned the Pogba thing, I think that the scary thing is, to me, it just seems like... Listen, regardless to... Their, yes, their relationship from the outside does seem frayed, but no matter how true that is or not, there's no doubt that Pogba... We're not going to see him at his best at Man United. Mourinho can't get the best out of him. No, and absolutely not. So, and given that, given that that's the case, and it, given the fact that Alexis Sanchez and Anthony Martial aren't giving you much, I, yeah, I, I just, I wonder if this could be, Mourinho could be in trouble again. And to be honest with you, Owen, West Ham have played really well in their last two games. I've watched both their game, both those games, and um, they beat Everton. They should have beaten Chelsea. Um, they just missed a couple chances. I don't know if Arnautovic is going to be back or not. But, um, yeah, I, I actually like West Ham to win this game. They, they look a much improved side from the side that uh, was pounded at Anfield to start the season. I like West Ham um, to win this game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't agree, but I wouldn't disagree either. Uh, I don't I don't see a win, per se. I'm, I think I see a, a draw uh, with Man United uh, getting an equalizer from a uh, questionable questionable call in relation to offsides because that just seems to happen that way um that's an incredibly biased take i know that's the point that's why we call the show hot takes yeah. only man united fans stay out of my dms um <laughs> so all, all jokes aside i think we've got a lot of really good matchups this week and there's one last one i do want to highlight real quick before we move on to our hot take segment and really round out the show okay bournemouth hosting Crystal Palace on Monday Yeah, Night that's going to be a very good game. Yeah. That is one I'm circling on my calendar because they both mm-hmm. – they play conflicting st- – I mean, it's 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 yeah. almost like 
you have this kind of old Chelsea playing a very expansive possession team like Liverpool. Bournemouth played this very beautiful style. Crystal Palace very much a, prag- a more pragmatic team. They'll lock it up when they need to. Uh, and it's just they're both playing decently well this season. I think Bournemouth is playing some incredible football right now for for the team uh, kind of of their of their stature. They're just I mean they're just playing incredible football the way they like to yeah. play. They they haven't deviated from it and they've stayed in the league regardless. Uh, we've seen teams mm-hmm. stick with that style, try to play this beautiful yeah. football, namely Alan Pardew last season. It doesn't work. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work out, uh, and ended up getting West Brom rege- relegated. So uh, for me, it's one of those things where it's so nice to see it work out for Bournemouth, and you kind of can't help but to root for Eddie Howe and the Cherries. So uh, you know, I yeah, I'm excited about this game more than most Monday night games. Uh, yeah, not including Liverpool, that is, or I guess for us Monday afternoon. But yeah, I think looking forward to it. It's a credit to what um, Eddie Howe's done, and um, they have the differences. I think that they have. Um, I think the differences, whereas Crystal Palace lack a center forward, um, Bournemouth do have good forwards and some good midfielders too. So. Yeah, Bournemouth's been the story of the season. I know they, they got blown out last game against Burnley, but uh, they're definitely a really intriguing team to watch, and maybe they're this year's Burnley. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it, it, it it's one of those things with the Premier League every single year that could who, be who, that Who's going to be that team to you, Owen? What are, who are your early takes about, quickly, your early take on the one kind of sleeper team that that's the West Ham of a few years ago and uh, – that one kind of team that sneaks up there, maybe it's Watford or and a, a couple of the relegation teams. So you're talking about a small team that sneaks into the top half of the table? And, yep, one of those and a couple teams that you think Tottenham. could be relegated. Tottenham. <laughs> a small team okay. sneaking oh. into the top half of the table? <laughs> Tottenham. Uh, I couldn't yeah. resist a shot. At, 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 I'm sorry. It, it uh-huh. happens. It, it is what it is. Um, sorry, Tottenham. Uh, I have to say Wolves, honestly. And it's it's hard to put them in that car, in that category because they've already gotten a lot of attention. You know, a newly promoted side playing this really beautiful style of football, committing a lot of numbers forward, okay. playing this three at the back. But I do like them to be to make a splash this year. I mean, they've already done so, and it's only been five games of the season. So I, I really do like them to continue. And and I know we usually don't see it until kind of the season kind of tapers off and and everyone kind of regresses to their own mean. But I so yeah. far I like I like Wolves. Yeah, me too. It's hard to it's hard to argue with that. Um, I guess my, I, I think, I mean, I guess it's hard to say, but I think, I think Watford could be right around that top six. I, I, I really like their team. And, uh, for me, um, I don't know, but to me, I have a really strong feeling that Huddlesfield Town and Cardiff are both going to be relegated and I'm not sure about the third team. Yeah, I I would hate to see Huddersfield get re- relegated just because uh, I really I really like David Wagner's story, uh, but I their goal differential last year was the worst in the league, and they still managed to stay up. Um, but I think this year might be a little too much for them, just given how how all the teams that stayed in the league really got better, and and Huddersfield are you know they're still they're going to give you a tough match every every time you play them. They do, but. Ultimately, I think they just don't this, have the talent. They just don't yeah, have the talent. I think talent. this might be the year. Who knows though? In the tr- in the transfer window, I mean, Leicester were sitting yep. out at the table at Christmas the year before they won the title and made the great mm-hmm. escape, and then all of a sudden, Premier League champions. I'm not saying it's going to happen, mm-hmm. but 
obviously with that example, stranger things have happened. So that's right. Absolutely. So a lot to look forward to in England in the Premier League this week. Uh, and so we've reached the end of our scripted part of the show. And yeah. now we go to our hot take segment. And uh, I really don't have much that I haven't talked about already on the show. So I want to let you uh, yeah. tee us off here with these, with these hot takes. Yeah, um, yeah. If I think of one, sure. I'll, I'll let it air okay. out before the end of the show. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I got a couple big ones. Um, the first one is... Uh, I do got to say, I did call the fact that Tiger Woods would win the Tour Championship. Um, he did. That was a all-time... Honestly, Owen, I think that that was the greatest comeback in all of sports. I, I think he was one of my top five favorite sports moments. Um, uh, just not not solely for the fact that the Braves clinched a playoff spot a day before, also a five-year drought. But just to, to see a, a guy who I grew up watching, I grew up idolizing because of who he was mm-hmm. in the landscape of who he, of what he was mm-hmm. and what he did, be the first, not just the first black athlete in golf to, to win on tour because he wasn't the first to win on tour. He's the first to dominate the tour in the way that he did. To me, there is no greater player in the game of golf than Tiger Woods, and there will never be another player like Tiger Woods. Uh, who single-handedly changed golf from an, uh, an elite white man's game to a semi semi-private semi-elite white man's game that a lot of people have greater access to because he did so well given who he is. Uh, yeah. My dad likes to uh, peddle the argument that Bobby Jones is the greatest of all time, but Bobby Jones also played mm-hmm. in the 1920s when fields were yeah. probably 20 deep at most as yeah. opposed to – Right. Exactly. Much more when Tiger was of players of 150 players who are in the gym regularly, treating this like a sport, not a recreational activity. Uh, Tiger Woods turned golf into a sport. Make no mistake about that. Nobody else lifted weights as aggressively as Tiger Woods and experienced that level of dominance at the top that he did, and no one will ever do that ever again. Uh, And not oh, did you realize he made he made 142 straight cuts at one point? Yeah, I can't even say how incredible that is. I mean, like, it's, it's everyone hard, can ever been. There, it's but. hard to make a cut on tour, let alone to win. He's won eighty times, just on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that yeah. span of one hundred and forty-two cuts. I mean, it's it's like he he every time he shows up, he's gonna win. It's yeah. it's remarkable. No one has even close to that kind of winning percentage that he does. And it's you know, say what you will about the man who, admittedly, did not great things outside of the golf course. But between the ropes, he is the greatest there has ever been and the greatest there Absolutely. ever will be. Full it, stop. Yeah. And and so when you consider the fact that he the back surgeries and what he's been through with the scandal, seeing him win was incredible. And um, it'll just be incredible to watch him at the Ryder Cup because um, it's amazing, man. It's almost It's almost like they talk about – it's almost like Tiger is so popular with the crowd – and he's such a big presence that it's almost like um, on one – it's like if Europe beats him in a match, it's almost like a two points for them because he's – or it's like two points if he wins because he's so – such a huge force for the team. So, so it's incredible to watch and also cap off a great year. Um, and I guess the other um, big take I have was you know after the show, I watched the game. And um, for the first time – in my lifetime, Owen, I think the Browns finally have a a NFL caliber starting quarterback, <laughs> Baker Mayfield. I I, I, I have been yeah. high on Baker Mayfield since the Rose yeah. Bowl. 
Um, mm. And I'm not just saying that as a Browns fan. I'm not just saying that as a Georgia fan. I mean, I really think he does have the tools and the, the yeah. drive to be the guy in Cleveland because that is the one thing Cleveland has really, uh, at least in the headlines, yearned for is a, a quality starting quarterback. They've had good quarterbacks in the past, but I think that's right. Hugh Jackson, after going through a 1-31 and 31 stretch, mm-hmm. uh, really has put two and two together here with the Browns. He's built something special. The secondary right now is is playing at a yeah. very high level. Denzel Ward mm-hmm. turned out to be one of the great draft picks, at least great so draft far, picks. Through, That's right. through three games in the season. Uh, they I rebuilt Baker the secondary. Mayfield, I think Baker Mayfield yep. will be a, a, a serviceable starting quarterback, at least in the first little bit. How, how good he wants to get depends on him, how much he puts into the game. But he yeah. has the skill set to get to the top. And when Drew Brees, the the one and only Drew Brees compliments you on that kind of ability, mm-hmm. then you know you have it. It's just a question of does he have the hunger and the desire to get better year after yeah. year after year. That well, is the I question think... mark with Baker Mayfield. But right now, right now he looks pretty damn good. I think that there's no doubt that he does own. I think and the fans are coming to embrace just this underdog chip on his shoulder personality and that he's had his whole life and he's really becoming a crowd favorite and, and someone said he could even become in that way like he's like the the lebron james but the the workmen like every day like like lebron james like Le, lebron james being like the superhuman like chosen one whereas baker mayfield is like the kind of underachiever like overachiever underdog guy so it's it's incredible to watch uh the browns need they need a couple more receivers and they need a better offensive line but um, very, very exciting. And yeah, no, uh, it is exciting indeed. And Calvin Ridley, man, he was he was incredible. Calvin Ridley for the Falcons uh, had an incredible game. Unfortunately, uh, the Falcons' defense this year is going to be their Achilles' heel, and I don't mean that as a joke. I mean actually, Ricardo Allen is also out for the season after suffering a torn Achilles in the loss against the Saints. So that makes three key players from the last few years defensively for the Atlanta Falcons who will be out for the year. I don't think the Falcons are going to make the playoffs this year. Um, I think even if they do, it'll be bad for long-term. Um, like kind of mentioned with the Braves, except the Falcons mm-hmm. have kind of been at that elite level for a long time, for a couple of years now. Uh, not quite a long time, but a couple of years now. Um, and yes, this year missing the playoffs would be a step back, but at the end of the day, I think it would be beneficial to really take a full off season, get everyone healthy for a real push at the Super Bowl next year. It'll be bittersweet to see someone else win the Super Bowl in Atlanta, but I, you know, Keanu Neal out for the season, uh, Deion Jones not likely to come yeah. back until Week Eleven, Ricardo Allen out for the season, uh, just two major injuries to the Falcons uh, to those guys who have anchored the uh, the Seattle type defense Huge that Dan losses, Quinn brought yeah. with him. So I am am not looking opti- I'm not optimistic about the Falcons in any way whatsoever so uh, at least through three games um, offensively Calvin really has been a bright spot Ito Smith I think has performed well in Freeman's absence Tevin Coleman has performed well but at the end of the day I think the Falcons are going to uh, come up just a little bit short and interesting maybe it'll be uh, it'll be a good a good change of pace good for them to really retool and get ready for next season but at least through three wow. games it does not look good it will be interesting okay and um, now, this finally, is, this I, is, I, I have one more. I have one more. Oh, real actually, quick, go real quick. This isn't to say the Saints are a bad team by any okay. stretch, as much as I don't yeah, like they them. Are. They're a good team. They're really good offensively. Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame Their quarterback. Their defense is shaky, but, though. Their defense but, is really leaky. Yeah, it's 
Falcons aren't looking good this year. Go ahead. Okay. All right, sorry. This is the last take. There have been rumors about it. I think that Man United and Juventus should make a Pogba Diabolic swap. I think that benefit both teams. Wow. I mean, you, I just are you don't talking think... a straight swap or a swap plus cash? Uh, well, I don't, like to be honest, I don't, know the, I don't know the contract. What kind of contract is Dybala under? Oh, I'm sure he's on a, a pretty hefty contract. Uh, he's he's okay. a really high-rated player in well, Italy, for sure. I would, I, I would just do straight swap, to be honest with you. They're both similar. They're all, both almost the same age. Uh, the difference is that um, Dybala doesn't really... With Ronaldo here, he doesn't really fit in. They can't really find a formation following them that really suits him. And there's no secret that Pogba can't fit into Man United. So I think it would, it would I think it would be good for both teams potentially. Uh, I I, now, have disagree. Are, I actually have to disagree. And go go okay. on. Now to me though, I was kidding. I was to me it depends on now or future because I think that would help them win now. Um, Allegri is a tactical mastermind, but he likes the four through three, and Pogba fits very well in the four through three, where Dybala does not. Um, so I think if they're strictly in win now mode, I would make the swap. Which I, I would say they definitely are in win now mode. Uh, if that's it's, it's, it's kind of make... it's kind of Champions League or bust for Juventus. I mean, Serie A okay. is pretty much locked up every year. So what, what are you going to say? You disagree? You said right. Um, no, if if I'm Man United and I I don't usually think like a Man United fan or supporter. If I'm Man United, I don't want another attacking player. I want a midfielder from getting rid of Paul Pogba. I want a dynamic midfielder. Uh, first of all, I want another manager because Mourinho is just not getting the job done. Um, but that's beside the point. Say say we were to keep Mourinho anyways, I would still want a midfielder. Uh, mm. either a box-to-box or defensive midfielder, if it's Mourinho, because we know that's the way he likes to play. If it's a different manager, I want an attacking midfielder who mm. is going to give you everything Pogba gives you going forward with a little more d- stability defensively, if that makes sense. Um, Interesting. Yeah, sure. A name that doesn't that comes to mind, okay. I guess, would be... A not, I, I guess I, I want to say a Nabi Keita esque player, a player of that mold. Yeah. Who who gives well, sure. you a lot of athletic? I mean, see, basically like a Pogba type mold. The thing is, Pogba is that player when he wants to be. That's it's, the it's when the manager gets the most out of him. So it goes back to is it the manager? And I think it clearly is Mourinho, and he needs to go. Yeah, that I agree with that. I agree with that. But yeah. that's you know that's not for us. I'll enjoy Man United suffering for as long as I want for as long as I possibly can, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> as, as a Liverpool fan, I, it's it's kind of in my DNA to hate Man United, but you know it, the feeling's mutual, thankfully. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He could be. I don't know if he's gonna be. He could be gone before Christmas, man. Honestly, Mourinho. I uh, I stand by my take. He's gone before the end of 2018. I stand by that take. Wow. Okay. Better and better by the day, especially if they lose to West Ham on uh, on Saturday morning, bright and early, four thirty in the morning. Yeah, that is early. That is going yep. to be uh, that's early, but thankfully we have uh, DVR. So. Yep. Yes, we do. <laughs> don't need to worry about that. Um, yeah, I think that'll just that'll just wrap it up for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got through a lot in a really short yeah. amount of time, and and I'm happy with the timing of these shows. So let us know what you think. We'll put our socials as always in the description. Um, Willie's going to be. A uh, little MIA for for a little while um, on social. So if you want to get in touch with us on the show, 
I'll be sure to relay the messages if you want to chat with us about what we're doing, what we could be doing better, and just getting involved with uh, with more of the show. But we're still going to be doing these shows regularly. Um, you know, if we have to cancel one, we'll let you know. But that um, that hasn't changed. So if you want to let us know what you think of the show, get in touch with us on social. I'll put it in the description of this podcast as always. And we want to thank uh, our friends uh, over in the Bay Area, uh, Ian, Nick, and Brian, for... Uh, coming on the show in the past uh, it's giving us a, a lot to work with as far as having guests on the show um, that was kind of our first guinea pig test run if you will but it also worked out really well and I'm, I'm happy with the progress we've made so we'll, we'll be working in some more guests as we go along here uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up Will? No no All right. uh, it's, yeah nothing well for Willie Kniesner my name's Owen Hill this has been Hot Takes Only episode 12 okay. oh actually last, last, this is oh, my last here thing. we go it's just, just one minor. My prediction is that the USA wins the Ryder Cup 14 and a half to 13 and a half. Wow. If that I'll comes specific, true, but that comes true. I'll yep. buy you a beer if that's the case. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> well, for Willie Kniezer, my name's Owen Hill. This has been Hot Takes Only, episode 12. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week, same time, same place, Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific time. See you later. All right. <laughs>